Welcome. You're on Deep Background, the Kansas City Stars newsroom podcast. I'm Scott Cannon. I'm a reporter. Joined today by Kelsey Ryan, another reporter. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. And Dave Helling uh, uh, from our editorial board, the guy who's paid to have opinions. Yes, and I have many of them. And I'm glad to be with you here today. All right. We're going to talk today a little bit about money and data and your money and your data and ways in which we're looking at it. Particularly, we're going to start out, Kelsey, you're uh, sort of our data specialist reporter, not sort of you are, um, and bring a particular expertise to the topic. I think it was last week you posted a database of salaries at the city of Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, that's uh, that's correct. That was our first uh, salary database uh, for the Star, and we're going to be doing a lot more uh, database journalism uh, in the coming months. Now that um, now that I'm on board, right? And you know, some people, particularly folks whose salaries are are, are now a little more public than they were before because of this, they're always been public, but a little easier to get to, a lot easier to get to because of the work you've done. People can find out how much a firefighter makes, how much a, an accountant makes at City Hall. Um, and there's a reason that we're putting these up. That's our tax dollars at work, right? Exactly. Um, and some people may feel it's a little awkward to be able to see, you know, what their coworker's salary is or, or whatever. And, and I kind of get that. But at the same time, these are taxpayer-funded um, salaries. And if we want to be able to hold our government accountable and to make sure that there's not uh, corruption or, you know, backhand, uh, backroom deals or um, favoritism, uh, this is something that we can't really draw a line on. We kind of have to do all or nothing uh, in terms of, of whether or not these are these are open records, right. and, and, and also, they are. There's just a value in people knowing what they're paying their public servants. We, people might think that they're paying too much to that mm-hmm. accountant, or maybe the city ought to pay more to get a different level of talent. But now it's, trans, it's, it's always been public record, and now it's transparent. Walk us through a little bit of what it took to take these public records and put them through your gee whiz machine so that everybody <laughs> can... You'd be one click away from this. So um, this one was a, a fairly painless uh, salary database to put together. Uh, the first thing I did was submitted a record request or a sunshine request with the city uh, through their online portal. And then, of course, I follow up all the time with the PIO to make sure that they received it. Um, kind of a nice little nudge uh, to make sure that they got it and that they'll respond. Um, and then I received my information, I think, within three days, um, which is pretty good. And took the information. What I did is I asked for gross wages, which is what someone's actually paid. I also asked for the annual salary, which is just the number on a piece of paper that says this is what you're supposed to get paid, kind of at a minimum, I suppose. Um, And then asked for the names, departments, and uh, titles, uh, job titles of folks. So pretty straightforward. We asked for it in a a comma-separated value uh, format, which is a fancy way of, you know, saying uh, maybe an Excel spreadsheet or something like that. So uh, we received that information. And um, what I do is uh, for these sort of databases, I typically do some sorts from high to low once I get them to see who's at the top, who's at the bottom uh, for salaries. Um, And I do it by gross wages because we want to see how much people actually uh, made, and then um, also do some sorts um, with pivot tables, which is a, a function in Excel. So I can group things by fire department. I could group it by water department, and get totals for those departments, and then kind of analyze them uh, from that level. 
So uh, once once we do that, we have a new uh, program across McClatchy called Data Pub, which um, I can put uh, the the clean data into uh, that program, and it gives us a code, and we can uh, put it onto our stories, and that makes it a searchable database for everyone to have access to. And it doesn't matter if you're on a desktop or a mobile phone; it will automatically, you know, resize uh, and be responsive to whatever uh, device you're right. on. I, th- I think you now understand why Canon and Helling are dinosaurs in this <laughs> business, because I'm still X over 100 equals. You know, what, when I'm figuring out percentages, I'm not quite completely hip to all the tools that are available. But I think, Kelsey, you're making a very important point that people should know. It isn't as if you were given these salaries in a dark garage somewhere by Deep Throat. I mean, the, the idea is that this is public information anyway. I mean, it's all you've done is really assemble it and put it in an easily readable, easily accessible format. And that has value, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I mean, that you know, anybody could find this out. You did, and as a public service, we make it available. And, and we didn't put it up there without any context either. You know, we did look at totals. We we did a little bit of analysis in terms of who had the most for gross wages. Uh, was it the biggest uh, analysis I've ever done for a story? No, not at all. But but we did some of those basic things for the reader um, so that they can you know get a, a quick idea of what to expect um, within the data. And then of course the searchable part. Um, that includes all of the the salaries. Um, that that's an interactive feature um, that you know we want people to be able to have because we want folks to be able to look at the data that's theirs uh, rightfully um, since their taxpayer the, the dollars are paying for it. The other thing I note just quickly is the top earner. I, I went and looked at the story. The top earner was actually a firefighter, yes. right, or an EMT firefighter. Mm-hmm. That's important to know. Just just empirically. I mean, you, you know, people think the city manager makes the most money or the chief or whatever. The fact of the matter is a firefighter is the biggest earner in the entire city of Kansas City, which not only is important to know as of, you know, not just boyeristically, we want to see this, but it tells you something about the fire department, too, that it's not being managed potentially correctly or that there's something that we at least need to explore to understand why that would be the right. case. Right. So, it, Kelsey, to make sure I'm uh, sort of simplifying this in the, in the right way. The difference between the base salary and the gross wages is overtime. So, so, so basically, I might be that ma- is a factor, my salary for sure. might be fifty thousand, but I'm mm-hmm. pulling in ninety because I'm pulling in so many overtime shifts. Right. That, that'd be the significant difference. And right. and what your uh, analysis found is something that the Star reported on earlier that uh, you know some number of firefighters were pulling in really dramatic amounts of overtime, and the suggestion you know it, so that's auto launch a public discussion about well maybe we need to hire more firefighters we'd actually save money because we'd have fewer overtime right right plus firefighters work a very unique 24-hour you know two days on three days off schedule that can further exasperate exasperate these problems, right? And that makes it more difficult. Again, your work sort of helps illustrate that mm-hmm. a little bit. Right? And we had written, uh, Lynn Horsley, the City Hall reporter, had written previously uh, a very focused story just on the fire department. Um, this data supported, of course, what she had written about previously. Um, and it, it gave us a little bit more of a holistic picture, I feel like, because we were able to see uh, exactly how many firefighters, you know, there are in the department. And, and you can really get an idea when you're looking at individual level salaries how often this is occurring right and let's address the helling in the room here <laughs> that that the, the, the calls you get immediately are well why is it to star publishing its salaries and the answer is well we're not in the public dime 
Yeah, that's correct. So um, so I used to work in uh, Wichita, Kansas, at the Wichita Eagle, which is a sister paper of the Star. And Congratulations um, on your oh. escape. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting when you start to introduce this idea of open data to a community. So the Eagle had been publishing its public um, employee salaries for years. Um, and I know that the Star uh, used to do this as well, and I'm glad we're picking it back up. But um, in a way, it almost teaches the public that you have a right to see this information. Um, and so it was interesting to me to come here and have so many more phone calls of people who were exacerbated by the idea that this was public um, and why is my salary on there? Um, whereas in Wichita, I think people were kind of, I don't want to say trained, but just used to seeing this and knowing that they had this right um, to view the data. And the public employees there knew full well that this happened every year right. to expect and, it. And in that sense, it's a teaching opportunity, not just for the public, but for city employees mm -hmm. and for all public employees, teachers, state employees, uh, you know, at the colleges and universities. Because I, I don't think there's a great understanding that sometimes as a public employee, you surrender some rights to privacy on matters like this. The House of Representatives uh, publishes quarterly its expenses, and you can find out precisely how much every member of Kevin Yoder's staff is making, and all of the other office expenses, how much they spend on travel, how much they send on subscriptions. And again, the goal is the same, to try and get a sense of uh, you know where your tax money is going, not just for personnel reasons, but but for, you know, uh, cars, you know, there was a big story that came out in Kansas City several years ago about Emmanuel Cleaver spending a lot on his car allowance because he had some van run by peanut oil or something. But that's important for people to know, and that's why that, that work has some value. It, the other, you know, issue underlying this is that, you're right, it's, it's part of the cost of being a public employee that folks can figure out how much you make. Let's not sort of just gloss by the idea. It can be uncomfortable. If I know that I'm making, you know, 20% more or 20% less than a colleague, it changes the dynamics instantly. If I'm the guy who's paid less, I become instantly resentful. If I'm the guy who pays more, there's research that shows that I'm going to value that colleague's opinion less just because there's been a dollar assigned, dollar amount assigned to their value. Well, and I'd encourage people to, you know, take a look at the data and think about one story that I heard when I worked in Wichita. And uh, I knew a public employee there uh, who looked at this list every year. And one year, um, she told me this after we had published, that she had used the list to negotiate a salary increase because a colleague of hers um, in her department um, who had less experience and I think didn't even have the same level of uh, college degree that she did. I think she had a master's degree and this colleague had uh, just an undergraduate degree. Um, and she saw that this colleague was making more. And she took the information from our public database to her supervisor and argued for an increase and got it. So, um, you know, when you look at open data, there, you can take it and do a lot of different things with it. Um, you can look at it and be uh, discouraged by it, or you could turn it into an opportunity to, um, I guess, make things more fair. You know, Kansas City has... Uh, Kelsey has bargaining uh, units for its municipal employees, uh, you know, uh, for, for normal municipal employees, Local 500, and then Local 42, of course, collectively bargains on behalf of the fire department. The police can't have a union, but they have sort of a fraternal order of police. 
Does that mean that the salaries that we look at are kind of set by through collective bargaining anyway, and they would not necessarily vary that much for collectively bargained jobs, that the big disparities would come in management jobs for which you're hired and maybe you're not part of the bargaining unit? How are we to understand that? Do you have a sense of that at all? Well, I'd like to look more into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't say I'm an expert on uh, right. collective bargaining or anything. But I mean, I guess I'm saying that one firefighter, you know, turning to another and saying, hey, you made twice what I made for the same grade. Well, you know, you should be getting the same mm-hmm. amount. It's, it's got to be overtime at that point because you both should be making the same amount of money. And you would think that would be true for Parks Department employees or inspectors or whatever, but it's at the management level where disparities would become more apparent. Right, and I think I think what it boils down to is um, it's hard to just put a big blanket on all of it. You know, you really have to look, like you said, uh, department uh, at that, that particular level, uh, maybe even compare uh, title to title within a department to really get a better um, uh, understanding. And so, I don't know, I just, I, I suppose for those public employees who may be um, upset about it, um, you know, I guess just kind of try to think about the bigger picture, you know, uh, would it be worth my salary not being an open record um, under a law? Um, and then that means that all the other salaries are closed. You know, what does this mean? Can we have all our can we have just some salaries be open and others be closed? Um, but under the, the law currently, it is kind of an all or well, nothing. It's the old cliche that, you know, sunshine's the best disinfectant. The better we know about what's going on, the, 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 the more fairness and less corruption ought to be able to set in. And I would add to that that, uh, first of all, Kansas City is actually pretty good at honoring sunshine law requests, which is good to know that it only took three days. But I'm always astonished at how much sort of uh, basic level information on public activities is actually available online, Kelsey. I mean, it's not just salaries. I mean, I'm trying to follow the airport debate. The the request for proposals is online. It takes a little bit to get to Mm -hmm. it, but... So talk to us about that a little bit. You know, these kinds of public information things are more available, really, than they've ever been, which suggests this isn't the only time we're going to be uh, looking at this kind of thing. Yeah. um, When I worked in Wichita, um, previously I was a city hall reporter. And so, you know, like you said, there are are so many city documents um, in municipalities across the country that are available online, and it just takes an informed and engaged electorate to actually uh, take advantage of that. And of course, as journalists, we know that not everybody has time to do all of that digging, so we try to do a lot of that for you. Um, But, you know, I really feel strongly that people should take a few minutes out of their day or maybe a few minutes every week just to kind of see what their public and especially local officials are doing because your local government um, has a far bigger impact on your day-to-day life than um, the uh, the bells and whistles and all of the attention that goes to, you know, the national government or the presidency or our Congress. Um, not to say that those aren't important, but um, as everyday Americans, that's that's really where a lot of yeah. the local decisions um, affect you. You know, what's interesting to me is the, the very laws that make this stuff public, which have been on the books for a long time, they were written, most of them, before the age of the Internet, or certainly before the Internet was commonplace. And it, it's, it's a real test of the law. So, so used to be I could, if I want to know what my neighbor's house was worth, mm-hmm. I go to the courthouse, go to the clerk's office, and I'm flipping through plat books. And, you know, I used to be you'd look something up in one plat book and then go over and look to the next. 
it isn't the sort of thing that a regular human would actually do to go look up their neighbor unless they were, you know, full-on um, nosy-nosy. But, you know, but reporters would do it to, to check on, you know, potential malfeasance or whatever. Today, that stuff is becoming more and more clickable. It's something you, you, you don't have to leave your bedroom or your um, living room to, to look up. And I, I imagine two things. One is, you know, some levels of government are going to rethink those things when they get the sort of pushback that you generate when you publish everybody's salaries or publish everybody's salary. You didn't really publish everybody's salary that hadn't been published. You published them in a way that was accessible. And that's going to be happening with all these sorts of public records. And it just changes the dynamics of things. If I know how much everybody else's house is worth on my block with a click, that's different than having to spend right. a week looking hey, Well, it up. not only that, but I think we are going to get to a place where not just public information, which is clearly public, which is, you know, what Kelsey has reported on, is, is commonly available, but private information, not just home value. Uh, for example, most election boards keep a record of if you voted in the last election or not. Not how you voted, of course, but whether you vote. But you usually have to go down the election board and look at that record. But there, it would be extraordinarily easy to put yeah, that but, online. So, but, but let's stop for a second. In, in the instance you described, when I had to go look it up, it effectively made it secret whether I voted in the Republican right. or Democratic primary. So my neighbors don't know anything about my political leanings. Now they can figure it out right. instantly. Well, and campaigns, of course, can too. And they go down there and pull that. And in fact, there's been great controversy about messages that go out. Hey, five of your neighbors voted and you didn't vote in this election. And, you know, you should be shamed and blah, blah, blah. And so, so fact, there were... In the last week, we had a list of 200 million voters in the U.S., basically yes. every voter in the U.S. Hacked. Much of it, you know, much of it was private stuff, but it, it began with public voting records. And now that's out there that can tell you right. uh, information that tells you not just that Dave voted as an independent this year, but that it's very likely that he's a Democrat right. and feels this way about abortion and that way yeah. about taxes. And, and there will have to be an important discussion about those records because they are public records mm -hmm. that relate to private people. What your argument has been is that public ra records related to public people is fair game, and I think we all believe that. But when it starts eking over into into private business, it does get a little bit more problematic. So one one database that um, I did at my previous job that kind of gets into that whole public information on private individuals area um, was the Wichita Municipal Court had a database of uh, traffic incidents. Here we go. <laughs> and um, let me tell you, that was one of the most popular uh, databases that there was. Um, and there was a lot of information in that database that we didn't publish because, well, one, it would have been a huge, um, massive database with a bazillion columns and really was just unmanageable on a website. But uh, we kind of felt like some of those uh, particular areas may cross the line. We don't need to put how much someone uh, weighs and their height yeah. and uh, et cetera on, on, their, um, on their database page. But essentially, um, that one was really interesting because what it did is it allowed us to analyze to see where most traffic stops occurred 
um, how often folks were found guilty or pleaded no contest to traffic incidents. Um, if police were issuing just the same number, sheer number of uh, traffic tickets as they had in the past, uh, who who was the biggest um, uh, offender in terms of meter violations, which we found a, an attorney uh, downtown kept parking in front of his uh, firm in, in a meter and letting it expire. He racked up several thousand dollars in, in meter violations. But yeah. That one, um, you do get the nosy spouses uh, who are looking to see if uh, you know their spouse got a, a traffic ticket. But to me, there's a greater um, benefit from that uh, in that you can look at these particular intersections. You can see if school zones, certain school zones have uh, more offenders or more speeders. Um, and you can start to see how often are you going to just be um, found guilty or how often are people going to plead no contest? Are there certain judges that are more lenient on traffic tickets than others? You know, uh, this is a fascinating discussion, actually, uh, Kelsey, because I think it's clear you bring some uh, expertise and context to this work uh, and make a decision, hey, we're not going to put weight, we're not going to put age. But in the internet age, what would stop a blogger or just someone in his, you know, or her basement not making that sort of principled decision and saying, look, I'm just going to spend my life putting all this information out there that's publicly available but may inv involve private people? That's very interesting to me, you know. what? I mean, we, we try to approach this responsibly, but maybe some people would be less responsible, Well, here's, right? a, here's another complication or makes it stickier. So not only do we have more data available in a more transparent, easy-to-get way, we've got more data. So Kansas City is investing heavily, pulling in some private partners on becoming a smart city. For the moment, that means everything along basically the streetcar line. They're collecting new data, so they're data about foot traffic, data about car traffic. You, you could begin, and part of the point of that is to figure out how best um, can we can businesses capitalize on that? But now you're going to get a sense of when this particular bar is busy and when that bar is busy, and it it may even get down to where I can start to tr you know they uh, who goes when, to when that I, bar when I sign right. on to the the free Wi-Fi uh, on the streetcar line. It, like everything that's free in the digital world, it's free except that you're giving up your data. And if the city is collecting this with public tax dollars. Aren't I entitled to look at what the city's looking at? I mean, right, theoretically, right. short of, you know, uh, intimate personnel records, pretty much everything the city does should be public record. Well, if they get this kind of granular detail, it, it begins to change the dynamics of that and makes you wonder about whether a smart city is all that smart. Right, and again, it's not just available to Scott Cannon or Kelsey Ryan or Dave Helling. It might be available to or would be available to any member of the public for you know, uses that okay. that like person a, determines, which may like a rival bar, yes, or an angry ex, or or again a guy with a with a screen that sort of says, "Hey, do you you know bar travelers of Kansas City? Who's going to which bars?" and just puts it up. It does. You mean, also see the food trucks like tracking that stuff, right, figuring right. out where to be when. So I guess it does complicate things a little bit, right, Kelsey? Or it no? does. I guess I have a. Um, I don't know what the word would be for my approaches, but I, I feel the that... Bias, I think, is... Uh, maybe a bias. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I am biased toward open data, yeah, period. Right. And I will always err on the side of it being open. And, you know, what people choose to do with information um, ultimately is their responsibility. But... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm a like an optimist in in some regard, but I always feel that if there if it's going to be open, 
it's going to be the best scenario overall um, for everyone. Um, when we start to close doors for data, to me, it sets a, a bad precedent, um, not only for taxpayers, but just for you know a democracy as yeah, a whole. I agree with that completely, uh, as most journalists would. I think what the fear is, is that we are giving up, as Scott has talked about, much more information than we really know. You know, if, he, if I freely surrender my information and I understand what I'm doing, that's one thing. It's, but it's much more hidden than that for most people, which, you know, to bring the conversation full circle, that's what probably city officials who are calling you to complain about your story it's that I didn't know that this was available, right? They probably weren't even aware that it was out there. We surrender all kinds of information to people. Yeah, um, and it's, it's flabbergasting to me in, in an era of Facebook and targeted advertising and predictive analytics with Amazon knowing that if you bought one thing, you're right. more likely to buy another. It's, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. Um, but my hope is that in government, at least, um, it can be more of a positive yeah. um, right. There's also a normalizing effect. The more every... It, when the first, as you're talking about, when, when you first put out salaries, there's a, a, a bit of a freak out by mm -hmm. people whose salaries are being exposed. But when it becomes commonplace, it, it, people are, are less put off by it. It's, I, you know, I, a lot of my peers have teenage kids and are so fretful that the kid will post a picture of themselves drunk on Facebook at some point. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, them and every other kid. And it, it would be something if you're the only kid drunk on the internet, but those are pretty easy to find, and so when you find one, you're not scandalized by it so much. Well, I think we've agreed at least that like all records should be open and quick to report. <laughs> Except ours. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and so we will wrap up this session with our salary is still a secret, so call and complain. Uh, Kelsey, thanks for joining us. Dave, yep, good to see to you here. again. And thanks. <clears throat> it's been great to have you with us on Deep Background.